Hello, and welcome to the Sanctuary Church. Tonight we continue our series, Prayers That Move the Heart of God. Our discussion tonight leads us to the prophet Isaiah. And the prophecies of Isaiah certainly teach us about the sovereign majesty and judgment of God. But they also teach us about his redemptive love. Our scripture tonight is Isaiah chapter 6. But leading up to chapter 6 is the historical account of God's people failing to live up to the standards of God and to his expectations. Therefore, they must be judged. Their failure is threefold. One, they lack trust in the one true God. And this failure of faith is manifested by, two, their constant flirtation with idols, and three, their lack of concern about social justice. So now we come to God's calling of Isaiah. Little is known about Isaiah, and modern scholars agree that the book bearing the prophet's name was heavily edited in the centuries following his death. But whatever the scholarly argument about the authorship of the book of Isaiah, the prophet emerges from the pages of the Bible as a real person, someone we can all relate to, a messenger of God with his own distinctive voice, one that clearly distinguishes him from other biblical prophets. Isaiah teaches us how to respond to a divine call. We learn from scripture that after a 52 year reign of relative peace, King Isaiah of Judah died of leprosy the same year Isaiah began his prophetic ministry. In a vision that is recounted in Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the rain of his robe filled the temple. The Lord had a message to deliver to the nation of Judah, and he expresses his desire for a messenger in verse eight. Isaiah's exclamation, here am I, send me. It marked the very beginning of his ministry. The priest was now a prophet. And the Lord's message for Judah eventually became the book of Isaiah. Before Isaiah could say, here am I, send me, he had a problem that had to be addressed. Now remember, because of the unworthiness of us as sinful man, it was commonly understood back in Isaiah's time that no man could look on the king, the, the Lord of hosts, and survive. So we see Isaiah cry out, pray, if you will, out of respect and in awe of this conversation, this conference he is witnessing in the vision. And here's the first lesson Isaiah teaches us as we witness his calling and cleansing. To respect God's majesty, we must see ourselves in the light of his greatness. You have to open your spiritual eye and see that relative difference that makes us appropriately reverence God and crucify this flesh. 
Isaiah showed humility. Isaiah 6 and 5 describes how Isaiah was made aware of his own unworthiness. The scripture reads, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Standing in the Lord's presence, Isaiah is made plainly aware of the sin, and he is broken about it in the same way that Job was in the book of Job or Peter was in the book of Luke when they were confronted with the presence of the Lord. God was preparing Isaiah for his cleansing, for his commission. After Isaiah acknowledges his sin, a seraph, one of the highest angels, takes a burning piece of coal from the altar, touches Isaiah's lips, and with it says, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Some details are important here. Isaiah could not remove his own guilt. The atonement is made possible by the altar, the place that we all recognize for sacrifice. And the purification is specifically applied to the point of Isaiah's sin, his lips, making Isaiah acceptable as a minister of God's words. It is only after Isaiah is cleansed of his sin that he says, here I am, send me. Prior to that point, he saw himself as an unworthy messenger. Once he was forgiven, he immediately desired to serve the Lord in whatever way possible. The Lord asked, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He wants willing volunteers in his service and a grateful and enthusiastic Isaiah doesn't hesitate in taking the opportunity. Here I am, send me. And for the rest of his life, Isaiah serves the God who had forgiven and saved him. How do we know Isaiah's prayer moved God? Because when he humbled himself, God cleansed him. And when this cleansed man volunteered, God used him. I encourage you to put yourself in a place of receptivity to God. God will speak to you just as he spoke to Isaiah in a specific way. Cultivate a relationship with him and let him make you the leader you were created to be. Now I know some of us don't believe that we are leaders, but we're all called to lead because we're all called to influence and leadership equals influence. The Lord prepares you in advance for the work he has for you to do. What's lacking is you're humbling yourself like Isaiah did and saying, yes. First Peter 4 and 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Use them well to serve one another. Our service isn't optional. Using your influence isn't a privilege. It's actually your responsibility. In Isaiah's time, God's chosen people weren't stepping up to their responsibility. You and I benefit from being able to read their story, to see that judgment that came against them for their disobedience. We also have access to the Holy Scriptures that tell us, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12 and 1. Acts 4 and 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. My friends, cultivating a relationship with God through prayers that move him, through fasting, through the reading of his word can make up for a lot of eloquence you don't have and credentials you don't need. At the end of chapter six, Isaiah asked God, how long would God's judgment continue on his people? And I was struck by God's response to Isaiah. As I look at our current time and see many suffering from emotional devastation and some suffering from physical devastation, God's words took on new meaning for me. His answer is written like this in the message translation. The country will look like pine and oak forests with every tree cut down, every tree a stump, a huge field of stumps but there's a holy seed in those stumps. I read those words and I saw hope. Just as God has given Israel hope, I see hope. The living stump of a great tree survives after the rest of the tree has been destroyed. The key is you must have that holy seed in the stump. The poet Langston Hughes wrote a poem that says, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrup sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? My brothers and sisters, what happens to the American dream deferred? This is a time of great sadness and should be a time of repentance, of humility, and the pursuit of Christian unity in our nation. America needs God and he will heal our land as we humble ourselves, fast, pray, repent, and turn from our worldly ways. Let us pray together right now. 
Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you for access to your word. We thank you for the moving of your spirit. We thank you for the revelations that you've given us through your word. God, we thank you for the promises that you've given us through your word. God, we thank you for your awesome power that continues to exist. We thank you that you yet still sit on the throne, that you're still the King of Kings, that you're still the Lord of Lords. We thank you for faith, the faith that we have despite the things that we see. We thank you for your promise, for your covering. We thank you for the covenant. And God, we pray unto you right now in the name of Jesus that you'll make us worthy of our heart, that you'll make us the leaders that you've commissioned us to be, that you will challenge us to use our influence for your glory. We acknowledge your power over this world in general and over our lives in particular. We thank you for your commission. We thank you for the calling in our lives. We thank you for the power that you've given us. And we pray that you will use us for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.